1: public education has gone off the rails.
0: Now it's about power and money and politics and somehow the kids are getting lost in all of that.
1: It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first. Critical race theory is dividing our children in ways that are unacceptable.
0: You cannot use racism to
1: eradicate racism. Our teachers are bullied Parents are shut out. Less than one-third of America's school children are proficient in anything. They're teaching these kids X-rated sex acts. When we look at this radical agenda, the way our children are being exploited and the way parents are getting shut out, it comes down to one fundamental question. Whose children are they? Whose children are they? De quien son esos niños? Whose children are they?
0: Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 440. Out now on DVD and digital is Whose Children Are They? A documentary that delves into the pressing issue of political and social indoctrination in America's public school system. An incredibly relevant and urgent message about an American school system trapped in the grip of ideologues and activists... Whose Children Are They is a call to action to stand up against the rising tide of aggressive activism in the classroom. Joining me today on the podcast is a producer and writer of Whose Children Are Day, Deborah Flora. Deborah, I thank you so very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Matt. Great to be with you. I really appreciate your help getting the word out about this important topic.
0: Absolutely. You know, when I first heard about this documentary, it was, I just thought it was something I needed to watch. I am a parent. Um, I have two boys Um, And while, you know, of course, our different school education systems compared to America and Australia, um, there are vast differences there. But I think, like, a lot of the issues here are very much um, something that any person should really take stock into um, because it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's kind of, like, infuriating to me. It's almost kind of like um, that old kind of parable about the... uh, the. um, King who drank, um, who didn't drink from the well, and everyone else went crazy. And he was kind of like, you always (laughs) kind of feel like that in a certain way. Um, And then there's so many stories you hear from America about all these, what's going on with these school board meetings and everything else. So I just want to just let's just go back a little bit. When was it that you thought that this issue really started to become? bigger than just say your, you know, average kind of like state school board issue and became something that was really relevant towards the whole nation. Um, When do you think that that breaking point was that this really started to kind of take hold uh, amongst um, the the school education system in the States? Because to me, it just felt like it just came out of nowhere.
1: Right, right. Well, it's an interesting question and a great one, because As we show in the documentary, this has actually been happening for decades. It's actually started all the way back in the early 1900s with John Dewey, but most people had no idea that this was occurring until a lot of people began waking up, I'd say, maybe five, six, seven years ago, but it wasn't a large percentage. What first started really peaking the attention of those who were aware was comprehensive sex ed, and that was where Mm -hmm. it went from being age-appropriate of reproductive biology, which is what everybody thought sex education would be, because it's what they had when they were growing up, to it began to be something where the word comprehensive, well, it sounds good, actually meant not just teaching about reproductive biology, but teaching how to have sex, all the different kinds of sex, you know, from homosexuality, heterosexuality, and everything in between which most people had no idea was happening with their children. And then there was a push to have it be younger and younger and younger. And most of this happened because parents were busy, had no idea, just presumed it would be the same thing that they experienced. But in most of America now, starting in California, sex education has gotten pushed all the way down to third grade, which for us is like eight, nine years old, pre-sexualized. You know, it's not junior high or middle school anymore. And I really became aware of it at that time because I knew what was in it. And I was part of a group of parents in Colorado who stood up and said no we don't want this in Colorado is already in California which is usually where it starts and pushes its way across our country yeah and hundreds of parents showed up and i thought that was going to be the moment that people understood but our legislature shoved it through on the last day, despite hundreds of parents showing up, that's when I got engaged and realized parents were not being listened to. And I started something called Parents United America, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't when the awakening happened, when it really started was over COVID. And the reason why it happened over COVID is because children were at home learning on their computers in the middle of kitchens or living rooms. And parents were finally hearing what their kids were being taught. Mm -hmm. All of this has occurred and really been building and gaining momentum over, I'd say, the last 10 years. But it happened because parents didn't know what was going on. And I'm not faulting parents. Parents are busy, many times two working families, many times, you know, they barely have enough time to pay the bills, get their kids to athletics and music events and all that kind of stuff, let alone review their curriculum, nor would they have had any idea. But what happened during COVID was... It became apparent. And it wasn't just the sex education, because you still have a very hard time finding that curriculum. It was the teaching of critical race theory that everybody began seeing. And, you know, it's one thing for most people to say, yes, we obviously want the accurate teaching of American history. We want the accurate teaching of what happened in the past with slavery. But it was based on the 1619 project, which has been wholly discredited when it's really Marx's critical theory with a different wrapper on it. And all it was was teaching small children and continues to be to judge themselves solely by the level of melanin in their skin. Parents woke up. So to most people, it does seem like it happened all of a sudden. What we did in the documentary show how this is all connected and has been building ever since the early 19th century.
0: There's an interesting quote I remember from the movie where um someone said, It seems like these children are being taught taught what to think, not how to think. Yes. Um and I think what's interesting how you brought up the whole kind of COVID situation in that you know the class when the classroom came into the home and you finally see access to like where a lot of these kids are being taught. That's what that was very much a like a wake-up call. Yes. Um, the similar thread through all of this, especially since what we are essentially talking about here, as you know, the title suggests, is that this is about the education system, and a lot of times there have been some politicians to their, you know, to their doom, certainly, because I think um, I'm not sure if it was in Colorado or someone else there was one politician who said um on in a debate, it's like it's not up to parents to it's, like, it's yeah. not up to parents to say what they can and can't be taught in schools. You know, I'm with the teachers here. And and he just went and we went down. Yeah, he went
1: down. That was was Virginia. And that was a watershed moment because I was Terry McAuliffe running for governor, incumbent Democrat governor in a blue state and it was a complete upset and that was the issue. And you're right, the very issue here is this, you know, the Western civilization model, that which has made all of the great breakthroughs in history starting with Socratic method is teaching people how to think, to question, to ask. That's the very scientific method. Um, What has happened though in states where it's more totalitarian and I've been to the Soviet Union when it was still the Soviet Union and in East Germany behind the wall, they are indoctrinated. And and it starts with Marx's idea. Um, He says that from the moment a child can be without the care of their mother, they will be in state institutions, Mm. because they see the education model to be completely different, to be conveyor belts of the party line, to be the places where children are taught everything from ultimate worldview to identity, to values, to moral systems, to allegiance to the state. So the ultimate Uh, crossroads that we are facing in America and unfortunately many places around the world is this clash between the Western civilization idea that Mm -hmm. parents have the right and the authority to be the ultimate say in their children's education and upbringing or the Marxist idea that that is the role of the state and that the children actually belong to the state What's interesting about the American history aspect of this is John Dewey, the father of modern American education in the early 1900s, he was a communist. He loved the Soviet style education. He was an atheist. He he rejected everything the founding fathers of America stood for. He rejected even the premise that it's a well-educated populace that's the key to freedom. And that's why we've seen the dumbing down of our curriculum. All of it goes all the way back to that. And the tool used in America are the teachers' unions. Uh, John Dewey was the honorary lifetime president of the largest teachers' union in America. He started the teachers' colleges. And granted, want to make really clear, our documentary "Who Shall Are They" is pro-teacher because the ideal of the education model that made America for the longest time—you know—one of the highest uh, achieving group of students academically was the idea. it's the parents and the teachers joined together for the good of students the golden triangle but what happened under John doing the teachers' unions is that got blown up. The teachers' unions inserted themselves, the state inserted itself, and got themselves between teachers and parents and really bullied teachers in the process.
0: Well, there's a line in the film where it says that um, union intimidation is as American as apple pie in baseball. Uh, and, I always, <laughs> and I found that to be so interesting. The whole aspect of the whole teachers' union thing, especially in, in the States, um you know, we, we, of course, in Australia have a teacher's union as well, and I, I'm all, you know, it, I'm all for, you know, uh, uh, industries, uh, why have you, having a union, um, because, you know, heaven forbid, it's not fair that, you know, uh, a, a teacher or whoever else should be taken advantage by any, a, anyone, and if they want to get together and stand up for their rights, that's fine. But it, there's a point, though, when that crosses over to where um, it's not about, I think there's another line in the movie, it's not about anymore about people, it's about politics, and I yes, think when, when you were talking about the whole COVID situation, I think that woke up a lot of people's eyes there because as soon as it, it, it kind of felt like they were calling the shots as to when children can go back into schools, yes. um, I think a lot of people were like, oh, wait a second, what's going on again? Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, what they're being taught as well. When it comes to the whole union aspect of the thing, um, I know in, in in America there is a you know in, in, like in Australia in in the government, there are people who take care of education, but is it really them who are taking care of education or is the unions that are really kind of like taking a stranglehold every, over everything? And because of that, um, is a, is, are they pretty much you know the the what who we should be looking at as to who has kind of caused this problem to happen in the first place.
1: Yes, most definitely. So I'm with you. I'm I'm not against unions except for in the public sector, because in America, government unions, which includes teachers unions, it's a circular negotiating and they're basically negotiating with themselves and there's Mm -hmm. no check or balance in it. Now, the thing for teachers, I'm all for teachers having, you know, their liability insurance and their insurance, and that's how teachers unions bully teachers into staying in. It's a fear tactic. Oh, if we don't represent you and anything happens, you won't have security. There are amazing alternatives for teachers to have, you know, their liability insurance, their health insurance, all of that outside the teachers' unions. The teachers' unions do not benefit teachers. I mean, it's interesting to see how teacher union presidents are making half a million dollars and have limousine health insurance plans and all of that, and teachers' pay is not increased. Collective bargaining is not the point of the teachers' unions. So the teachers' unions are implicit in all of this. Our Department of Education, the the huge behemoth bureaucracy now that oversees public education in America, which was supposed to be local control state by state, only came into existence in 1979 as a backroom deal between President Jimmy Carter and the teachers unions. That's how it came to be because they wanted that control. So what's happening is the teachers unions aren't benefiting teachers. They bully them. You're told if you're a teacher you have to belong. If you don't belong, then there's a whole lot of harassment that happens. And then the teachers unions partner with their ideological partners and push curriculum. And for instance, in the opening for COVID, perfect example, it wasn't so much that the teachers unions were having and say for the sake of their teachers, that's not what they were doing. Our CDC, our health department said it is safe for children to go back to school. Yes. Then they reversed that when the teachers union said, oh, no, our teachers are not going back until you meet certain demands. And most of the demands had absolutely nothing to do with safety during a pandemic. You know, it varied by state and all that, but you had some extremes where in Chicago they wanted to close down again, unless there were things like defunding the police. That has nothing to do. It was holding the children hostage. And I think what people have realized is, you know, like, usually teachers union giving is 97, 98, 99% Democrat to one party. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a hundred percent at the time that we made the documentary. So their spending goes heavily into lobbying and it's a circular, you know, paying off those who, you know, who are going to hold up what you want. So they're one of the largest money-making entities in the United States, the teachers union. It's about about money. It's about power. It's about ideologies and their ideological partners.
0: What I find um, really interesting about your documentary is that, you know, of course, in, in documentary, the format in regards to a filmmaking aspect of it, you have to have your interview heads. And interview heads are, are an important aspect of it because when it comes to especially issues like what we're talking about now, um, heavy issues, you need to have your expertise there to kind of explain to people and guide them through what's happening. What's important with your documentary, is that you talk to parents as well. And I think what's what, what we've seen over the last year especially, as soon as um, people were allowed to go back to schools and you have these board meetings, you have these videos are kind of like parents kind of leading the charge and confronting the powers that be in different school st- districts and saying, this is not right, we don't like what's going on, we have to change this, et cetera. Um, there are some stories that have just been absolutely horrific and a lot of these stories have been shared in your documentary. How important was it for you to make sure that the voices you had in your documentary not only came from, you know, uh, the professor from so-and-so, but came from, you know, Ma and Pajo from, you know, some uh, a place in, in anywhere uh, USA and that yeah. their story really broke through and tried to make this a, not any issue that has a national context, but an immediate kind of intimate context to it as well.
1: Oh, without a doubt. You know, Thank you so, so much for noting that. We spent over two years, over 120 hours of footage, over 80 interviews. And what's interesting is the largest group of people actually are teachers, because we wanted to show we're pro-teacher, and the teachers really are not benefiting from this. The second largest group were parents, then you had experts, and then you had some students that were brave to speak up. And the important part is, first of all, stories are everything. You know, it's one thing to sh- show statistics, but what really really moves people is the understanding of what is the human element of this you know a small child in texas who bravely spoke up tyler who said you know what one of my best friends was black and now we you know can't even be friends anymore because they inserted race into it hmm. or a mom a black single mom who tried to put her da- her daughters into a safer school by simply signing them up at her father's home which was just a couple miles away arrested for that simply because she wanted a safer school for her students so you you put the faces on this you know and and for instance a lot of our conversation about CRT is actually black parents in Minnesota right outside of where George Floyd, um, where that incident happened, because we wanted people to know and expose the straw man argument. This has nothing to do with racism. In fact, CRT is neo-racism. And some of the people that are most upset about it are Black parents who do not want school systems telling their children that because they have more melanin in their skin, they somehow can't achieve. And therefore, honors programs need to be eliminated. I mean, if that's not the definition of racism, I don't know what is. That's why we have You know, Robert Woodson, who was a part of the civil rights movement, saying, you know, racism to fight racism is still racism. So it was very important for us to have all of these voices. And yes, the the point of having parents is because as, as you look at the history of America and even the history of the world, Most movements do not actually reach a critical mass where real change happens. You know, we all think of like the civil rights movement in America, which was phenomenal. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. led it in such a way that he moved hearts and minds. Real change happened. Our goal is to make sure that this movement to really get back to the golden triangle of education, parents and teachers working together for the good of children, protecting their innocence, education on indoctrination, that it reaches the tipping point. That it doesn't reach a certain point. Oh well, kids, you're back in school. Let's just now pull back. Everything's fine. Yes. No, we need to show everyone that just because your kids are back in school, things are not fine. They're still getting you know taught CRT, gender fluidity in kindergarten, graphic pornographic sex education in eight as they're eight or nine years old, anti discipline policies that are leading public schools to being war zones and dangerous for everyone. So it was important to show the real stories as well as then back it up by the facts and the statistics.
0: The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by loot crate founded in 2012 loot crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes loot crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment gaming sports and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates Produce interactive experiences in digital content and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. T Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, T Public is sure to have something you will love. The thing that's scary to me, though, is that it seems to me a lot of these issues that we're talking about you know, have left the classroom and have become a part of the lexicon in a certain way, it's become part yes. of pop culture. The whole thing with Disney, for example, I find to be myself as a I first and foremost, I am a parent. I am a Christian, Catholic to be specific. Um, And I have to make sure that I have to take care of my children because when I watch movies, like I'm just gonna put it in the context of movies, to me, having uh, watching movies is kind of like having a good diet. The stuff that you consume kind of sticks with you and informs you as what you are. And I want to make sure the stuff that my kids are watching when they're younger. Um, you know, is good for them in regards to their progress as young men, as young Christian men especially. Um, yes. And the whole kind of Disney thing to it has, has been really difficult for me because, for example, my son really wanted to watch Lightyear, the new Disney film. And right. when I found out that there was a, a scene depicting a same-sex kiss in it, I had to really kind of have a think about it and think to myself, do I really want my six-year-old son to be exposed to that at this early age without having the... Um, he, without him having the maturity to kind of, you know, think about what he's seeing on the screen. And so I yes. refuse, I, I refuse for him to go. When it, do you think now that, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to say to fight because, you know, we, no one wants to have a fight, but it is definitely a challenge. Do you think the challenge yes. now is that even though this documentary talks about whose children are they in regards to the education uh, system, that perhaps maybe the... Genie is way out of the bottle. Pandora's box has been open and trying to get everything you know contained again is going to be an even trickier situation than we imagine because it seems like these ideas are being infiltrated everywhere. even yes. to the point where you know someone's watching a Saturday morning cartoon, there could be a very it could be a very, very strong case that that thing's been politicized as well with the same kind of vigor, Um, that we've seen from educators in certain parts of the education system.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. So it, it is everywhere. It is pervasive. The reason why, you know, it was everywhere prior to it becoming so apparent in schools. The reason why the schools is what woke everyone up is because those are everyone's children. They've, they've kind of ignored it in other places or just went, well, that's just Hollywood being crazy or the NFL trying to be woke or whatever else like that. Mm. But when people realize that their children, where they drop them off every day thinking I am trusting that what my children are learning is something that I would agree with and certainly have a right to know, that's what has pushed everything over the edge. The good news is this, this, this progressive movement, which progressivism to its ultimate extreme is regressive. You know, what, what do you have out of this progressive movement? You have neo-racism coming out of CRT. What do you have out of the, the progressive movement towards transgenderism? You have the erasing of women's sports and feminist gains from Title IX. You know, you push everything to its extreme. Now, we live in a complex society where you can balance that out, but there are certain things where we're going way backwards. We're not going forwards. But here's the thing. I do believe we have an amazing moment right now in history. And if parents stay active and engaged, and nobody wants a fight, but let's face it, if we're going to have a fight, it's going to be to protect our children, because that is the ultimate thing that's closest to us. And here in America, I've been so encouraged. I'm talking to parents who are Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliated libertarians. They're all waking up and saying, hey, wait a second. This is not okay." You know, we can disagree as adults. We can say it's fine for adults to have whatever kind of entertainment they want to have. Don't target the children. So we have an opportunity. Disney is a perfect example. Disney was one of the last pristine brands in America. Mm -hmm. And they have become a cautionary tale to other corporations, because while Disney will not talk about this, they've lost billions of dollars in revenue. And what's sad, though, by the way, just in, in complete transparency, my husband, Jonathan, the director of the documentary, who's Shil they he used to be a producer at Disney. Mm. We are very happy that he left a few years ago so he can make projects that we believe in, like this documentary and other things we're working on. But we know from our friends there, they're doubling down. Their meetings right now inside the halls of the studios of Disney are not asking the question, oh, goodness, did we go too far? They're upping it. They're saying, okay, what was our count on uh, transgender characters in this preschool program or whatever? The, The reality is we, most of us, are classic liberals. We don't want to push one idea or the other, but we sure as heck don't want you pushing your agenda on children. And the saddest part about it is this. Walt Disney created Disney World and Disney Studios to be a place and an entertainment form that parents and children could watch together and all be entertained, where they could literally leave the worries of the world behind and just go into the world of wonder. And as I've said on several national interviews, uh, you know what? They have now replaced woke with wonder. They're Mm -hmm. doing the very thing to children that we need to all fight to preserve. I don't care if you're a, a gay parent, a transgender parent, or a straight parent. For goodness gracious sakes, can't we let our children just be children and not have to deal with the absolute crazy complex issues that are being thrown in every other area of our society? Can there not be one safe place? So, so I do, but, but here's the thing, it's going to come back to bite these corporations. It already is. And if people stand strong, they will rethink this because it's time for the parents actually to be the louder ones. The reason why these things are happening in corporations is because it's extreme fringe that is super loud, always ready to bite They're afraid of that. And they think, oh, if I'm just woke enough, guess what? You can never be woke enough for the woke mob. Parents will be satisfied if you just get it out of our children's, you know, education, programming, et cetera. So I think there's hope there.
0: I think something that's really interesting that I'm seeing right now is let's just talk in context to regards to, your documentary in regards to access to a documentary. So Disney, of course, have Disney+, and it's such a big behemoth, and it's going to be huge, and Netflix and Amazon are, are huge as well. But it seems to me that there's a certain segment in the entertainment media right now that is more conservative-driven that are taking they are taking advantage of the tools that, we, yes. that they have at their disposal. So in regards to Whose Children Are they, it's available on DVD. People can get that. And that's, that's great. But there's streaming um, um, ways to stream it as well. So you have Salem Now, um, which I think is putting out some really important documentaries uh, and movies at the moment. Uh, the Daily Wire have, have gotten into this as well. Um, they just released that documentary, um, What is a Woman?, which kind of tackles a lot of the stuff that you have in, in your documentary as well. It seems yes. to me there is um a push, not a pushback, but there's like, you know, uh, the uh organizations and era are filmmakers um, and there are people like yourself who are willing to put content out there and say, okay, well, you're going to put out your content. We're going to go, we're going to come into your space. We're going to yeah. put out contact as well and we're going to put our side of the story. Um, how important do you think that is? And do you see kind of like a shifting tide in regards to, you know, um, making sure that there is movies, that there are TV shows Hopefully there'll be cartoons on their daily wire are going to be doing children's entertainment now as well. And and that they are in that same field that it's no longer going to be dominated by one faction of the entertainment industry, that there are other people and there are other filmmakers as well who are going to have their own content out there.
1: Absolutely. One of the biggest breakthroughs is the release of the stranglehold that the studios used to have, you know, movies used to live or die at the box office in the theaters. And that's the only way you could see them. And so there was this ability for the studios to control what went out. Mm -hmm. And even then Amazon and Netflix have to a certain extent also controlled it because they have one ideological viewpoint, but with the explosion now of all these other alternatives, what's great is documentaries like whose children are they? It, it's it was number five. It premiered number five on Amazon, and and it's continuing to grow because there's other ways. The most important thing is for those who are fed up with the one view of of you know, quote unquote entertainment, which is no longer really entertainment, need to make sure that they patronize those other, you know, those other types of projects. Don't just sell it. do what you did. Be a dis- discerning consumer for your child. Do I really want them to see this? We can actually say no. By the way. Our children never watched the Disney Channel, even though their dad worked at Disney, because very early on, they were introducing 10-year-old gay characters, which is just Mm -hmm. like, please, let us just have our children be children. So I do think that's happening. And by the way, the other thing that's amazing, Matt, is the hero's journey, which is the most satisfying story. It is the classic tale. It's a conservative tale. You don't even have to make something and say, this is a conservative movie. You make a satisfying film that has classic values, the hero's journey, and you are making something that will be satisfying for everyone to watch and is also edifying to the heart and the soul because it is how we are wired to perceive things. The movies that Hollywood heavily layers with their own ideology and the anti-hero themes don't do very well anyway. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't really fit with how we're wired as human beings. And the other thing that that Hollywood is doing is they're not making movies anymore. Like for instance, the blind side, Now it's somewhat of an Americana movie because it has to do with football, But it was one, it's a perfect example. They made it for $25 million, made over $100 million. It was just a good, heartfelt movie, won an Academy Award for Sandra Bullock. Today, we had a similar movie, Disney considered it and said, you know what, it's too Americana and it doesn't play to China. Mm. So Hollywood now is beholden to China, It's beholden ideologically, and because of that, its products are suffering. And people now are just looking for the alternative. I think we're about to see a huge breakthrough in that area.
0: And I think it's really important that documentaries like Whose Children Are They are out there for people to watch because, like I said, I think for too long um, the film industry has been geared towards one way. I'm not going to say that all of a sudden it's going to be a 50-50 equal share. It's still going to be a high mountain decline, but it's important that in that fight to try to get the other side's, you know, opinion out there, the experience of other people out there through film content that we have movies like Whose Children out there available for people to see. So for everyone listening, please go to whoschildrenareday.com um, there you can find the links towards Amazon and Vision Video for the DVD, and you can also find the links to watch the uh, documentary at Salem now. This is a very important documentary, uh, Deborah, and um, I'm so very happy that we can talk today because, I mean, you know, I was saying to you off air how, like, we've been going back and forth, back and forth, you know, trying <laughs> to get our times right, and yes. finally here we are, and I'm so very glad I watched this documentary because, as myself, as a, as a father of, of two sons, um, ages um, nine and six. I think it's really important that um, you know I have to stand, not be a a, a spectator, and uh, get part of the fight as well. Because yes. you know the, the the influence of of our children goes beyond the sphere sometimes of our own eyes in our own homes and. And yes. it's the school is a very important part of that. So um, I thank you so very much for making this documentary for your time today. And uh, I really hope that, um, you know, the, the DVD launch goes well for you. Um, and I, I know people have been watching. I know people have been watching your documentary because I put up the trailer for your documentary. I think it was like a, a month or so ago. And it's already got like a thousands of views and, and, uh, Great. and people are interested. So I thank you so very much for your time today. And um, congrats for the documentary. It's well, well-deserved.
1: Thank you, Matt. It's wonderful to partner with folks like yourself who help get the word out. And it is important. And the one thing I want to add to this, by the way, is you're doing exactly what every parent should do. I'm a mom, first and foremost. And it's time for us to remember, it is our right and our authority to oversee what our children see, watch, learn. And, and it's about time you know we step into that role of really protecting them. So well done to you as a dad. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for getting the word about whosechildrenarethey.com.